one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello, hello. Here's a new episode. And before we start properly, let me just remind you that the sponsor for my podcast and for this episode is italki. Italki offer you a very simple way to get one-to-one lessons with teachers, qualified teachers who are anywhere in the world. I mean, you get teachers in the UK, for example, or teachers in Canada, the United States, Australia, or in fact, let's say native English speakers or qualified teachers who are living anywhere. It doesn't matter where they are because it's all done over the internet. So essentially, you go onto italki and you search through all the different teachers they have. And you can see, for example, their reviews, how many lessons they've taught, uh, the ratings that they've received from other users. Uh, You can see what particular skills they have, if they have a particular set of skills which they can use to help you uh, you know develop your english they could help you with like preparing for the ielts exam or job interviews or just generally preparing uh, helping you develop your english or your business english pronunciation grammar vocabulary or just conversation and language feedback lots and lots of possibilities italki is a, a like a, a very well established platform upon which you can find one-to-one teachers so try it okay give it a try it's um like you know getting speaking time and actually talking and engaging in conversation is vital for your english and so if you, you might be thinking but where who can i talk to what can i italki is the answer that you're looking for uh, and remember italki are offering all of you a free lesson uh, when you buy some talking time go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, listeners. How are you today? I hope that you are well. I hope you're well today. Physically and mentally well. In this episode, you're going to hear a conversation with Amber and Paul both regular guests on this show, as you'll know if you're a long-term listener. I thought I could do this episode with no introduction. That's what I was thinking when I started recording it just yesterday when I had Amber and Paul here in the flat. I thought, I'm just going to do this one with no intro. We're going to go straight into it, right? That's what I thought, just jumping straight into the conversation. But I've decided that actually I do need to say... um, Just a few things before we start. I think it will help put our conversation in context, which should help you to understand it all and generally keep up with our fast talking. I know, I know, I can't help doing these rambling introductions, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do? There ain't nothing you can do. So when I get together with Amber and Paul, we talk quite quickly and we talk about things that you might not know about, like things that we've seen and done together. And that might make it hard for you to keep up and understand everything because obviously you're listening in a second language, right? I mean, if you are a native speaker of English and you're listening to this, then you might be thinking, what? Don't patronise me. But um, I'm obviously talking to my audience of learners of English out there. So 
it might be hard for you to understand uh, this fast conversation, so a bit of context from me now might help. This is going to make the episode longer, definitely, but that's all right, isn't it? That's okay? Yeah, of course it's okay. Good. So, Amber, Paul, and I are all stand-up comedians, and in fact, that is how we know each other. We all originally met while doing stand-up in English in Paris. Stand-up, you should know by now, is a form of comedy entertainment in which one comedian stands on stage with a microphone and tells jokes and stories to make the audience laugh. Amber and I do stand-up on a kind of part-time basis while also doing other work, but Paul is a full-time comedian and he's actually quite famous these days, particularly in the French-speaking world. He's made some TV programmes for French television and YouTube and also he has a one-man stand-up comedy show which has been very successful, playing to large theatres of people. Sometimes Paul invites other comedians to open his shows, which means doing five to ten minutes of stand-up in front of Paul's audience in order to warm them up before Paul takes the stage. So you'll hear us talking about when Amber and I opened for Paul in a big theatre recently. I think I mentioned it on the podcast, didn't I? Maybe that was in some bonus audio for a recent episode. Anyway, so we talk about that, and then we go on to talk about other stories and experiences of doing stand-up comedy over the years. I don't know if you've ever seen stand-up comedy live in a club or a theatre, or if you've ever watched a lot of stand-up on TV. It might not be a big thing in your country. I don't know, but a great stand-up show is possibly the best kind of comedy entertainment. Because when it goes well, you just laugh so much. You laugh until your face hurts. That's how good it can be. When you see a really good comedian and you're actually there in the room and you've got good seats and it's a good show, you will laugh a lot. Um, and you laugh so much that your face hurts, really. I've come out of comedy shows in the past feeling like, you know, when you've just had a really good time with your friends and you've just laughed and laughed and laughed and you can actually feel it in your face well I've come out of comedy shows in the past feeling like that it's it's amazing now that rarely happens with films in the cinema I think when was the last time you went to the cinema and you laughed all the way through like every 15 seconds you're laughing well a good stand-up show will be like that you laugh every 15 seconds pretty much. I mean, it's that's not... I don't know if anyone's measured it, but you know what I mean. Like, there's a lot of laughs and it happens very regularly, as much as even, like, laughing lots of times per minute. That's a good stand-up show. A bad stand-up show, on the other hand, can be extremely uncomfortable and embarrassing. For the audience, it can be uncomfortable because you kind of watch someone sort of, uh, well, dying on stage is the expression that we use. Um, and obviously for the comedian, it's it's mortifying. Uh, but what makes a, a show good or bad? The thing is, as a comedian, after performing on stage even just a few times, you realise that it's not just you, your jokes, your performance that make the show good. There are other factors involved that are terribly important for making sure a show is successful and that the audience have a good time. I mean, you can do pretty much the same thing, like the same material, the same jokes, the same stories at one show and get lots of laughs, but then do it at another show in front of a different audience in a different room with different conditions and it can get no laughs. 
So it's not just the comedian, it's also the conditions. Certain things are vital, basically, to make sure that the show goes as well as possible. Sometimes these things are just out of our control. But uh, for people running comedy shows, these are the things that they're thinking about. Obviously, you need a good performer with good material. You need funny people. But also, the audience need to be able to see and hear the comedians on stage. That might seem obvious, but sometimes you go to shows and the microphone doesn't work. Or you go to shows and the, 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 the room, something about the acoustics of the room mean that the audience is kind of like, what, what, you know, they can't really understand what's being said. And other factors. So the audience needs to be able to see and hear the comedians on stage. There shouldn't be many other distractions in the room going on. Um, the audience uh, should probably be sitting in the dark a little bit so that they don't feel too self-conscious. The audience should be sitting together fairly close to each other and fairly close to the performers. If there's lots of space between the audience members and space between the audience and the stage or the performer, that doesn't that doesn't really work. Uh, they should be comfortable but not too comfortable and it helps to bring the comedians on and off the stage quite quickly in order to keep the energy up. It also makes a difference how you introduce the comedians on the stage and uh, how you have them exit the stage in order to manage the expectations and the reactions of the audience and generally to make the audience feel like the performers know what they're doing and to make sure the audience remember the comedians at their funniest moments. For example, to end on a laugh and, and not to end on a dead moment. In fact, there are loads of little factors which you should get right in order to run a successful comedy show, and you might not be aware of those things when you're in the audience. It's show business, basically. But the thing about stand-up is that if the show doesn't go very well, then for the comedian, it's especially painful, because you're basically up there completely on your own, and you're completely exposed. It's not like in music when... You can basically hide behind your song or your instrument and you probably have other musicians on stage with you, which kind of helps if the show doesn't go very well. As a stand-up, if things don't go well, then you know about it instantly because nobody laughs and it's like you're dying up there. On the other side of the coin, when it goes really well and the audience laugh a lot, it's an incredible feeling for everyone, particularly the comedian. But any stand-up who's done even just a few gigs um, will have stories of both good and bad experiences. It's particularly common for comedians to share with each other their stories of the bad experiences and the times when they died on their ass, which is how comedians call having a bad gig. We call it dying on your ass. A gig, by the way, means a show or concert. Um, stand-ups love to tell each other about difficult gigs that they've experienced it makes us feel better and also stories of failure are usually pretty funny right so I'm saying all this because basically in this conversation you're going to hear Amber Paul and me talking about some good gigs that we've had recently and then some stories of truly awful experiences of dying on stage not literally dying we didn't literally die because, well, if we had actually died on stage, then we wouldn't have been able to record this because we would be dead. Um, maybe we could have come back as ghosts or something, but obviously ghosts can't talk. Well, they can't talk normally because they're ghosts. 
and they're made of clouds or whatever. I don't know. What are ghosts made of? They're made of clouds or just mist? I don't know. Smoke? Uh, so yeah, they ghosts don't talk normally, do they? A bit like BBC News reporters don't talk normally. But certainly ghosts don't talk normally, because when they do talk, ghosts tend to speak like this. That's how ghosts speak, isn't it? And that's no good for podcasting, or any form of communication, really, except for scaring people out of an old house. I think that's the only thing that ghosts can really do in terms of communication i mean they can't i don't know what they can't buy bread in the in the in the bakery i would like sorry can you speak normally you know i would like some it's only for scaring people out of an old house that's all that ghosts are good for uh that's the only time when ghosts speak isn't it when some people enter their old house and they want to scare them away and they say things like and um leave leave this place <laughs> things like that or maybe they want to steal their souls right that's the other thing they say it's like they say join us so ha 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 no i'm just being silly the point is that you're going to hear stories of us having bad gigs and as we say dying on our asses but not literally don't worry Okay, right. I think that's it for context. I hope you can keep up with this then and that you enjoy another conversation with Amber and Paul. And here we go. Amber and Paul are on the podcast. Amber and Paul are on the podcast. Amber and Paul are on the podcast. Amber and Paul are on another podcast. Paul's a very funny boy. His laugh I very much enjoy. Amber's got a lovely voice. If I could choose an accent, hers will be my choice. Yeah. So, hello, ladies and gentlemen of Podcast Land. Welcome to this new episode of, well, Luke's English Podcast, of course. I hope you're doing all right. I'm sitting here currently looking at the faces of the pod pals, Amber and Paul. Hello. Hello. As they both look at me thinking, how long is this introductory (laughs) ramble going to go on for? (laughs) Hi, guys. Hello. Sorry. Hi, Hello. Sorry, I thought you were saying hi guys to your listeners then. Me too. So well, I didn't answer straight away. I'm Hello. Saying, I'm saying hi guys to just everyone. Anyone who's Bonjour. in... Yeah. Anyone who's in earshot of this. Hello. Uh, so nice to have you back, isn't it? Yeah. Thank yeah. You. I hope it's nice it's to great. be back. It's more, it's more relaxing than the previous circumstances. What were the previous circumstances? We were in your co-working place. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you still, if you still no, use that. I don't. Because you've got this place I've now. got this place now. Yeah. So um, we were there and it was a very weird sort of unfinished... Mm-hmm. co-working hipstery type place yeah. where, where there was no coffee available and no one was working yeah and i had to run off really quickly i can't remember what i had i had something important apparently yeah uh, you're doing radio was live I d- radio. oh i was doing live radio yeah so that's usually the worst is when it's live and yeah. you have to be there uh i was late for it but it was okay it, they 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 let me on really um so yeah it's cool to actually be back on the podcast properly now yeah and just being chilled out and i've got nothing else to do today apart from the podcast so ah oh. for once so just relax i know it's like just, the good old days yeah up yes. in the terrace oh we don't have the terrace we don't have the terrace Anymore. unfortunately yeah. no that's gone i'm gonna miss the 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 days of of <laughs> going around <laughs> trying to trying to get the shade and yeah. us slowly moving clockwise around your terrace as three white pasty english people <laughs> trying to not yeah. get sunburnt because there was always just one spot <laughs> there was one spot that was in the sun and one person had to occupy that spot and so we were constantly yeah. having to turn around uh yes oh the, those are the days but no these days it's a lot more kind of uh 
uh, much more sort of controlled environment. Controlled environment. Well, to be nice fair, it's too cold and grey to be outside. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when the, when the summer comes around again, we do have a little balcony, so we probably well, can squeeze. Can actually stand out on that? Yeah, we can be out there oh, cool. in a little line. Just the three of us <laughs> in a line, just standing there. So, how do you feel about heights? Um, yes, exactly. Okay, good, 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 good. And then the last time you and Paul met, quite stressful. The last time Paul and I met was yeah. quite stressful. I yeah. Mean, yeah. What, what was it? Well, you were doing, you were opening for Paul. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's true. The last time we all saw each other, we, yeah. you weren't on the same night, though, were no. you? No, you were on the same night as Sarah. No. no it you was were on one the same... English person per night. Oh, it no, Sarah Luke, and Seb, because it was four of you, and Seb and Sarah did the, did, the, did, the, did the show together. My listeners are going, what are they talking about? Yeah. Uh, it was the last three shows, uh, listeners. Of your show. Uh, of my show, my hashtag Franglais show that uh, you... Uh, if I mean, if you've been listening to the podcast long enough, you're, you 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 knew me before I even started the show, um, and then so I did it for three years, and I was uh, uh, I wanted to I wanted to finish it with a bang. So we did a, a big room in Paris called the Casino de Paris, mm-hmm. um, and it's a thousand four hundred seats, and um, we sold out two of the days, and the first day we had a thousand one hundred. So you were there on the second night, right? Second and night. Luke was there on the first night. Yeah. So the last time we all saw each other was, I guess it was last week, the week before last? The week before last. The week before last. Uh, so how was it for you, Amber? It was great. Yeah. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It was yeah, you lovely. both did really well. It was, it was fun. What was funny was that normal, in the other rooms that I've done, uh, I've, I've found sometimes the French acts have done, uh, they've got a better reception. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, because more people speak Yeah, French but you both things. went second, right? Yeah. Yes. My, yeah, so... It, uh, uh, Shirley was before you, Luke, uh-huh. and then who was before you? Louis. Louis. Yeah, it, 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 you like if, if something happened with the first people on stage uh, on the yeah. three nights that it didn't go. It was kind of a little bit. It, I think it's just the initial like there's a thousand four hundred people and I'm on the mic being like, hey everyone, I'll be out in a couple of minutes, but I've got three opening acts. Yeah, and it's the initial of like, oh, it's not Paul. It's, it's not, not Paul. Paul. Yeah. That's, so the first person is just the lamb to the slaughter mm-hmm. of like, they're just there to communicate the message that Paul isn't here, but he will be here later. Yeah. And then at least, I guess, with the second person being English, it's like, okay, this is a bit closer to Paul. Yeah. So <laughs> they're a bit happier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, in fact, all, 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 all four of you mm. with Seb and Sarah, you, you guys did really well. Um, yeah. And the French uh, guys did a little less well than they normally do, which is weird. That makes a nice change, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, the, I remember because I, 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 I don't think I, I told you this because I haven't seen you since and I keep forgetting to tell you. But when we did my beer launch, when we did the comedy show where I had like half French and half English. Were you on that show yeah. as well? Yeah. yeah. I was f- drunk that night because I, I didn't realise <laughs> how non- strong my own beer was. So strong. Uh, Everyone seemed to be drunk. But you you, you smashed it. Yeah. yeah like yeah, you, there's so much. at the. I, I, you, I, I don't know if you were last. You were close to being last. And you yeah. absolutely smashed it. I've never seen you so much on fire in front of a crowd uh, than you were on that night. Like, just, it was just, I was, and I, I mean, I was a bit drunk, but I was just like, wow, what's going on here? Like, I don't know what it was that you were yeah. doing, whether it was the energy that you know. were giving out. I think what it was was that, so. Um, Did you notice it? Did you notice Yeah, the yeah, I definitely felt it. Yeah, for, for sure. So, um, that everyone else had been going up and there, a lot of the people in the audience were quite rowdy. There was quite a lot of talking during all of the performances yep. there were people sort of talking a lot and it was a bit and I, and I was there having a look and I wasn't drinking that night either so I was kind of like stone cold sober 
You were well, a bit sick. Well, and I was a bit unwell. I wasn't feeling very well. And I was in a bad mood because I was feeling under the weather. And I was just sober and I just wasn't having a good time. You know, it was, just, uh, it was nice to be there. But at the same time, I was also just sort of like a bit under the weather. And so... Yeah, everyone else was kind of drunk and there was like rowdiness going on in the audience. Yeah, people were talking quite a lot, yeah. which is surprising because I'd never experienced that. I'd experienced that as an audience member in the UK where mm-hmm. it like that happens all the time. But I, yeah. it, I've been so not used to seeing comedy in the UK. Mm. I was like, whoa, okay, this is like being back at home, I guess. And the other thing was that I was like, what material am I going to do? And I think I spoke to you and Sarah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm, I think I'm just going to do the same old material. And I think you said to me, yeah, just do the tried and tested stuff. Just yeah. do it. Just enjoy doing stuff that you know. And I was like, okay. So then I felt like I had license to just do the stuff that I knew. Because when you've done material again and again and again, there's always that feeling of like, oh, I should do something new. And that doing the same stuff that I've done before is somehow cheating, especially when you've got other comics in the room yeah. and you want to kind of... When there was a lot of us as well. I think there was, yeah. eight, there was, eight, there was four English-speaking com- comedians and four French. So, so whenever, I'm, whenever I do comedy, I'm always thinking, I want to obviously make the audience laugh, but I want to make my friends laugh as mm. well. I want to make the other comedians laugh. I want to make everyone in the room laugh. And so I feel a bit bad about doing material that they all know very very well and that kind of if you go up on stage feeling a bit like that then it kind of takes the sting out of your Uh, performance but because you told me no just do that stuff that you know well it's good mm. uh i felt like i'd been given license to just do that so that was one thing and the other thing was that um uh because i'd seen that people were sort of being a bit rowdy in in the room i thought right i've got to kind of I've got to just grab them by the scruff of the neck here and and really sort of sell my performance and not take any shit from them. Yeah. And so I was expecting them to be all disinterested and talking amongst each other. So I just thought, right, I'll just go right up to the front of the stage and I'll just be really aggressive. <laughs> and not that I'm a particularly aggressive person, but yeah. that was kind of me attempting to really um, assert myself. And also I, I didn't kind of smile or laugh during any of my material, I think. Maybe I did a bit, but I was conscious that I just kept this kind of serious look on my face throughout the whole throughout the whole performance. So yeah. I was doing all my stuff and it's just like, you know, my my feeling to an extent was like, fuck all of you, bastards. Yes. You but know. you know, that is, because there's something about venues. Like Sarah and I, we did a, a like a piece together at One More. So it's in the same venue of th- that you did. Yeah. And it went really quite mediocre it wasn't great and then we did our show and we went on another thing at that venue but we were really like fuck you all yeah super aggressive and like very in their face and they were like yes there's something about that audience that crowd that environment that really lends itself to like taking control of them well and that's that's how i found that's how i found my voice because i was performing at the pan am so much in french and I, it's just you get eaten alive almost in that place if you're if you're a foreigner. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like I've seen. I mean, I haven't seen Sarah perform in French since she started performing in French because I haven't been back to the Pan Am in a long time. But I, when I started performing in French, the only way I could get people to laugh was exactly that. Like you got fucking just full on, like yeah, fuck you, and 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 and, and like. Not necessarily aggressive, but having an aggressive energy. Yeah. But not necessarily being aggressive. And it it, it went, it responded really well. Yeah. So I, I've kind of, I don't know, just mimicked that, I guess, from the early days at the Pan Am. And I found when I've been editing the video of my of the show, that I've lost all of that 
having performed my show so much, yeah. the, the content of it doesn't annoy me anymore. Whereas before, stuff like Labies and stuff like all this stuff actually pr- genuinely annoyed me. Yeah. So I would go on stage with that genuine annoyance. And, and because I've said it so much, it's kind of cathartic where I've, mm. where I've kind of, it's, it's diluted down a little bit. And it's kind yeah. of this, it, and it, people don't laugh as much as they used to in, in my mind. Like, it, no, you know, sure, I think they probably do. Because, I mean, I just, I, you know, I, when we did that gig in London, I saw they were laughing just as much as they normally did. Yeah. But you've got to find the right tone. You know, it's like at Pan Am or like in the one more, you know, you've got to be, you've got to own it. You've got to get on the stage. You've got to own it. But if you have that same aggression, maybe at somewhere like the New York Comedy Night or another night, it doesn't go down yeah. as well. And like it's with your show, what's really nice whenever we open for you, you don't you don't actually need to be really aggressive. Mm. They're very they're there to see comedy. They're with mm. you. Yeah. And so if you're like and you're coming on quite strong they're like well we don't need that so you've already convinced us but that audience were all talking to each other and i was just annoyed i was like you bastards you should be listening that's just really rude (laughs) and so i had all this i didn't realize that's how i was feeling but i just kind of psyched myself up a little bit of like okay you're gonna need to this is gonna be a tough crowd so you're gonna need to really grab them and i guess something kicked in from being a a teacher or something right you know something just kicked in there where it was just like, oh, f- oh fucking bastards. Let me just, uh, teaching like younger, like large groups of students at university where, yeah. you know, you know that they don't really want to be there. Maybe they don't even like you. And so you've just got to like put up this sort of a slightly, um, not aggressive is not like the right word. Almost. But yeah, or just assertive sort yeah. of approach where, um, yeah, being assertive. But I think ultimately in stand up, it's, it, the audience will enjoy what you're doing if they feel that you are confident in what in in, mm-hmm. in yourself and mm. sometimes just really pushing and being assertive against what you feel is a potentially hostile or uninterested crowd disinterested yeah. crowd is um that pushes that level of confidence in yeah. you know yeah. you know what i mean yeah, yeah. yeah so so the, the the conditions were just right yeah um and yeah that was great i had yeah. a really good time and i came off and i was like Wow, <laughs> that went well. and also there was there was uh, there was the no most English reaction ever. Wow, that was pretty good. There was no point as well at which I was trying to remember my material in my head because often that's what stops me. Is that especially when I'm doing new things? There's period. There's points where I'm going, uh, and then it's it, yeah. But it all just came out. I wasn't even thinking. It just came out. It just out. came out naturally. Yeah. yeah. So that was good. It was a good show. What was weird about when I opened for you the other night yeah. at the Casino de Paris? <laughs> It was so funny. They kept clapping everything. <laughs> so, listeners, when uh, when you're doing stand-up, you've got sort of several responses that you want. Obviously, you want the audience to just laugh regularly at the bits that you're doing. And sometimes if you do something that's particularly good, they will break into applause and there'll be an applause break, right? Uh, but then this audience were, were clapping, but it wasn't an applause. They, they weren't really doing applause breaks. They were just clapping as if... I don't know. As that if you were was, giving a TED talk. Yeah, as if I was giving a political speech. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And they were like clapping every point I made as if I was like, yeah, that's right, you know? Yeah, it was, it, it was, it, it was really strange. And it was the first one where normally you, you know, you, you, you talk about French bread being great. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, the, the bread is great. And then you have, you, you know, you're like, well done, France. That's great. And then you move on to something else. Mm-hmm. And people go, yeah, that's a great joke. It's funny. Yeah, the bread is good. They laugh. And then you've got your neck. Here, they were just like, yep. And then they just started applauding straight away after you said French bread was great. And you're like, oh. Yeah. And <laughs> they were just, weird. they were just applauding, but it wasn't like they were like laughing. It's like a thousand yeah, people applauding so as well. You know? It was just like, they were, 
like yeah we agree with you and then and then i was like so uh so i work here i'm a teacher applause yeah <laughs> Like, what the fuck are you applauding that for? And then, yeah, because you didn't have the time to get out, of, obviously, because that's what you do if yeah. you speak English. No, no, like, they, they weren't applauding the, the punchlines. They were applauding just the information. <laughs> that you, the information in the setup to, to the joke. And there were others as well. So I was kind of going... And then when I started to talk about them applauding, they started to applaud less. Mm. So they, like... Um, you know, I'm a teacher, applause. And I was like, oh, this is great. I love the way you're applauding everything I'm saying. Applause. And then I said, can you just follow me around in my life and just applaud me whenever I say anything? Slightly less applause. Yeah. And then I said, like, for example, next time I have an argument with my wife, can you just applaud me? And then I could be like, you see, they applauded. You see, I'm right. Like, timid applause. <laughs> like, what? Why are you applauding? Maybe they were applauding themselves. They're like, he's an English teacher. Yes, we understood that. Yes. <laughs> no, that's what I think it was. I genuinely think they were applauding because they're like, we, 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 enjoy, we are enjoying this. We like you. And we understood what you just said. But laughter uh, didn't happen because laughter is an instinctive reaction yeah, to was, finding something it's, funny. It's, in- it's, it's, it's odd when you get, when you have the applause without the laughter. Not yeah. without the laughter, but almost at the same Instead time. Instead of the laughter. Yeah. Like this, uh, again, editing my, my, my stand-up from March last year was when we filmed it. You, you're, you filmed it, the, you're editing the video. Yeah, now. we're editing the full show to, to, to release it uh, on TV and YouTube. It's going to uh, be on YouTube, folks. It's, it's going to be on YouTube. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, if, you know, uh, well, you'll probably link to it, when it whenever it's whatever. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, it's interesting that, that, that when we were filming it, that, there was a point where... There was a lot of laughter, and I'm normally used to like an applause break at that specific time. Yeah. So I've got this this kind of crutch that I've got my glass of beer on stage, mm-hmm. which is a kind of a, a handicap almost. It's like because I, I don't know when when people applaud, I don't know what to do with myself. I don't know how to behave. I don't know how to stand. I don't know what to do. So I've just come accustomed to going and grabbing a drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, from my pint when people applause and it's times where like it's it's so ingrained that that moment for some reason that's when they applause where there's times where they don't now <laughs> <laughs> so i finish the joke and they're like <laughs> and i walk over to the beer and i'm like shit this silence. Is silence silence oh great <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's really awkward but there was there was one time in the editing where that happened where i was like yep i'm going for the beer no applause and it's only until like when I gra- I think it's it became like an auto- automatic uh, how do you say automatic automatism how do you say that in English it just it just became yeah. uh, an automatic an automatic response. reaction of the response of the audience like when I go to the beer they need to applause so it was it was me because t- normally I wait for the applause then I go grab yeah. the beer but this one I went for the beer first and then they were like oh I think oh, we should now applaud, we should now. applaud. <laughs> I think well, that's the point where in a way that's applaud. good though that's really good because you're actually training the audience to applaud at certain spots yeah like that is actually good I mean the audience well, that's a technique. Yeah, you know, definitely. Controlling yeah. the audience yeah. when, how, when they laugh. Training they them to applaud to you, and it, the, you know, at least they did applaud when you went to the beer. Yeah, it would have been worse if they just did, it was just <laughs> silence, just tumbleweeds <laughs> blowing across the stage. Yeah. But it's like you know when you're preparing something like a new joke or some material, and in your mind you're like, pause for laughter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no laughter. Should you're never just do like, that. <laughs> yeah, that's you terrible. Imagine, how do I get this better? Or like sometimes you'll see someone doing like a like new a new stand up, and you can. You can imagine them imagining it going really well, and you're oh, like, "Nope, 
in your mind that there was some more. Or yeah. your delivery is so, like, this is going to... If you had good jokes before and you know people have laughed, but for some reason that audience are just not into you yeah. and you go out. I felt this when I did the when I did the football awards last year. I mm-hmm. died so bad on my ass on tell, live TV. Tell us the story, come on. Yes. So I was doing... Um, it, twice it's happened where Canal Plus, the French TV company who I've been working with, with What the Fuck France and Stereo mm-hmm. Trip and all that stuff. Um, twice they asked me to do a, a thing. It's like the Oscars, but for football and for rugby. And both times I, I was like, okay, cool. I don't really know that much about rugby. I don't know that much about football. Let me write some jokes. I had five minutes basically to, to, to do some jokes in front of this audience who are mainly all rugby players or football players. Okay. The football one was worse because I was sat at a table. It's the French football awards. So anyone who plays football in France is sat at the table. Yeah. Um, and so well, wait, all of those pro, like PSG yeah, players? Yeah, all, all of them. Who? Uh, name? Name, yeah. So, so I was sat at this table. The table is probably about the same size as this table here. It sits about six people around. So um, uh, three on each side or whatever. Yeah. I sat at the table next to me about, yeah. you know, three meters away is Neymar, his kind of crew or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and people I don't recognise, I don't follow football here. So I know they're all, you can tell who the footballers are and who aren't because of the haircuts, because of the suits, yeah. because of the accessories, the tattoos. And then sat at the table 10 metres behind me is the original Ronaldo. Whoa. Like fat Ronaldo. The first now. Ronaldo. The first Ronaldo. Ronaldo won. Brazil Ronaldo rather than Portugal Ronaldo. <laughs> the original Ronaldo? <laughs> I couldn't even recognise Neymar the in a lineup. The original on. Ronaldo from football, from like the World Cup. Is he the one with the teeth? Yes. yes. There we go. There we go. <laughs> As opposed to Ronaldo now, who has no teeth. Who's apparently. got no teeth? <laughs> Is he the, the one with the teeth? No, yeah, the one with the hole yes, in the middle, of the, yes. the bald-headed one. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm already like, wow, okay, this is a serious night. And I don't even remember, I was presenting the award for the best footballer French footballer abroad. Oh, when you said when you said uh, the uh, when you said the Oscars for football, I thought you meant like best performance of like best dive, best fake injury. Well, they it, 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 they weren't funny. They were serious awards, like right. best uh, goal scorer, best uh, okay. defender, best goalkeeper. You know, best each position, best uh, play, best whatever. So there was a mm-hmm. bunch of things. I was I was did, um, giving the award for best footballer French footballer who plays abroad mm-hmm. and so most of them I think there was a couple there was like Antoine Griezmann who's in in, in, in Germany no uh, no, no. Uh, he was oh, in Ace, Spain yeah, yeah. Um, anyway the winner was um, uh, N'Golo Kante who plays in the UK now I know who he is because of the French World Cup they won the team so I know who the French football team are now yeah. because I didn't follow any of that six months ago before the World Cup I had no idea who these people were and so you're reading their Wikipedia pages and just like shit what not can even, I say not even here was my whole bit my whole thing was like alright I'm, I'm I'm like I'm happy to be here because I'm performing I mean I'm delivering the, the awards to the best footballer who plays abroad and obviously you know if you're playing abroad you need to speak the language of that country um uh, which is kind of the similar situation to me like I've had to make my career in a different country and all that kind of stuff yeah uh, however and I can't remember how I led into the joke but I basically started with a joke with Arsene Wenger the Arsenal coach who I was like yeah but he didn't really do that well because he's been living in the UK for like 27 years or whatever he'd just retired from Arsenal yeah uh, but his accent is shit and so, <laughs> so I imitated him speaking English. Yeah. I mean, z- no laughs. Any, uh, uh, like, none of it is getting laughs. Everyone's just like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. Right? Because they don't know who I am. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, God. And then I'm... <laughs> And I can't remember what I, what joke I made after that. I made like two other jokes and I was like, and here are the, 
nominees. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy wasn't even there. He was. He wasn't the Ngolo Kante, the guy who won it. He wasn't even in the room yet. So I was just like, and the winner is Ngolo Kante. He's not here. Cool. We'll watch a video or something. I can't remember. It was just awful. Yeah, and you had to stand there feeling terrible while yeah. the video played, and you were like, I just can't wait to get off the oh, stage. And I've got, I made a vlog about it, and I've got the video, the the, the footage of me dying on my ass. Is, oh yeah, is really? On YouTube. Yeah, it's all available. Have to link. Uh, yeah, you, you'll find the, the the thing. But it was going back to what you were saying, Amber, about the confidence and sometimes yeah. you go out there I was I went out there confident I was like this is I, I, there's no reason I'm making fun of Arsene Wenger they know Arsene Wenger and he speaks shit English. Oh, this is going to be amazing so I went out like full confidence yeah. I was still nervous but I, was, I just delivered it confidently but one wonders are footballers known for their sense of humour yeah. would anyone have made them and up? also I, that- it's not the footballers I think it's just because like, the rugby was the same and yeah. uh, I've recently been listening a lot to different uh, interviews with Kevin Hart uh, about the Oscars thing that he's not doing anymore yeah. but that all comedians have been talking about him and his situation with the Oscars and apparently the Oscars is horrific as well like all award ceremonies are terrible because people are all stressed out they're waiting to get their awards yeah. they don't know if they're going to they're not in the mood to laugh and also yeah. they, they are they feel like they're the ones that, that are at the centre of attention mm-hmm. like they feel like you know how do I do I look good for the cameras which are moving around uh, shooting everyone in the audience and stuff so yeah and, and sounds like also yeah anything that's not a stand up gig that's not organised and prepared and set up as a stand-up gig, you've got huge chances of dying on your ass. And that's what happens again and again because people are always messing around with the format. Do like, re- let's do stand-up and brunch. Let's do stand-up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Stand-up and brunch. Any minute now. Oh. Uh, well, in, I'm going to ask you uh, to describe your worst ever gig, okay? But uh, before we do that, do you remember talking of people sort of messing with the formula? Do you remember when we did a gig on the, on the boat? Uh, La Nouvelle Seine. Yeah, we, we set we did a gig down there, set up by uh, what's her I've name? Heard about this. What's her name? Um, uh, who who uh, to be you know to be fair to her, um, she had she's done some TV presenting work. She's French yes. but speaks English. Yes. She'd done some TV presenting work. I think she'd done maybe bits of comedy and had enjoyed it and done quite well. And she was like, I'm gonna become, I'm gonna move into doing comedy because she wanted to be like the new Jimmy Fallon of France and stuff yeah. like that. Fair enough, you know, fair enough. But she, she was green when it came to doing stand-up mm. and so she set up this show she got people involved she did get a bit of an audience down there and all that stuff but then she made the decision to well two things one she interviewed the comedian on stage directly after their set no. after the set yeah so <laughs> yes so we know from stand-up that basically you 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 make the audience uh, applaud and go wild for the comedian. The comedian comes up, does their set. They say, that's it for me. That's all my time. And they leave and they just disappear. Yeah. Right? That's the best way. And then maybe at the end of the show, you stand by the door and say goodbye to everyone. If you've done a good set, if yeah. you've gone horribly, I yeah, hate you, doing you that. Just hide just or like, something. Yeah. Just hide, yeah. Uh, but she made everyone stop. Like, well, that's all my time. Thanks very much. Applause and whatever. And then she came on and said, wait a minute and held you there <laughs> for an awkward conversation it's like and you kind of feel like everything kind of it wasn't promo like hey what are you up to because that happens sometimes on french nights where after your set if people don't all come back at the end to be like yeah i've got this show every thursday friday sometimes they do it at the end of their set they're like hey where can we find you and you go great i do a podcast find me online i don't remember what- it, no it was much more awkward than that because she kind of wanted to be an interviewer slash comedy person it was weird yeah it was oh it was-, was she doing like the late show type thing 
thing where if you're on Jimmy Fallon as a as a stand up comedian or whatever the late yeah. show it is, you do your set and then sometimes you then go and sit down and have like a. It was kind of like that, but it w- those sit down interviews are usually quite well prepared. Yeah. I think mm. where they agree, okay, you're going to tell this story, exactly, yeah, yeah. blah blah blah. But no, it wasn't like that at all. It was just very awkward where we were just standing there and she started asking these questions. Um, do you remember how she managed to get me on stage? Do you remember what, what happened do, there? Yeah, she made a ruse, didn't she? She did a happening, as they say oh, in France. Oh, that was a- awful. Happening. Yeah. What? So the, the, she decided it would be really great if um, at one point during the show, she said to anyone, hey, does anyone, has, has anyone done stand-up uh, before here? Oh. Or does anyone want to be a com- You know, what, that's it. What's your dream? And she told me that I had to say, and in the end, I went along with it because I was like, I'm not going to mess with her plans because she's got this whole thing planned out. Mm. She had the whole evening planned out. Uh. And I was like, all right, all right, I'll do it. I'll do it. And so she said to the audience, uh, what's your dream? And she pointed, points at me. And, and you goes, were like, I want to be a stand-up. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> she points at me and says, what's your dream? And I said, to, to be a stand-up. And she's like, well, do you want to try? Oh. And then like, what do you think, guys? Should we give him a try? And of course, the audience were like, well, I suppose so. Okay. You know, like feeling obliged to to say yes. And so she was like, okay, come on up then. So I like got up and I did my set, which obviously I'd done loads of times before. You oh, so you'd never mentioned like going up being like, yeah, that was... Uh, no, like- no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I just went up and did my stuff. And um, oh, and, no. and then she stopped me and she she talked to me and it was really embarrassing and awkward. But then when you went up, you did your set and she talked to you afterwards. Do you remember what she said to you? I mean, I can barely remember what I did this morning. So please enlighten me. <laughs> so she, um, she was talking to you and she said to you oh my god i can't believe that you 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 forgot your baby downstairs in the in the in the basement of your building i can't believe that you forgot your baby in the in the uh uh what do you call the place where you put the pram in yeah. the building oh, the pram, storage the pram yeah. storage area i can't believe you forgot your baby in the pram storage area was this part of your set no no because it was on the podcast yeah because what happened because remember on the podcast oh, we played the lion game oh amber told a story about how she forgot her baby yes. in the pram and went upstairs and had a cup of tea and then realised that she'd left her baby yeah, downstairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a lie, yeah. right? On, and that episode is on YouTube as well, that one, because we I videoed it. Oh. So she obviously watched maybe part of that conversation, the bit yeah. with you. She didn't realise that it was the lying game. And so she's there in front of the whole audience saying, I can't believe you left your baby downstairs and went upstairs for a cup of tea. <laughs> and you were like, but no, that, it was a lie. It was a lying game. And she was like, what? And the audience were like, what is happening? That's, that's like the Russian joke. Yeah. <laughs> Like, do you know what I mean? That's like, yes, we've got it in. Uh, no, it's it's like it's, it's like it's like being on stage and be like, oh yeah, it's like they're not rushing to get in. You're like, what? And then the other person knows. It's, it's just like how it just takes too long to explain it to a room of seventy people. Yeah. Oh my but god! It was a real shame because by getting you up, you know, the audience expectations were really low, mm-hmm. and conversely, instead of that meaning, then you were like, did an amazing set. You know, when people this is sometimes a problem about being a woman. When you get on stage, people mm. are like, this is going to be shit. Mm-hmm, and yeah. you have to really like convince them it's going to be great. Yeah, yeah. And so they were like, oh my God, this is going to be awful. This poor guy, what a saddo wanting to be a stand-up. And just, <laughs> he's going to do his shitty little bits of material. Yeah. And it's going to be rubbish. So they were expecting something rubbish, but then they didn't give you, it took them, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you just come out as a comedian, they'd been like, okay, he's a comedian. This is going to be funny. Yeah. But they were thinking, this is not going to be funny. Yeah. And it's it was horrible. Another rule of, of doing a stand-up show is that you need to uh, um without pushing it too far you need to 
make the audience think that this person is funny so yeah. that if there's any doubt that yeah. they will think oh no he is funny yeah yeah, yeah. like confirmation bias you yeah. need to subtly suggest or not so subtly suggest to the audience before the person comes up that they are funny yeah. and don't worry this person has been checked and verified as a genuine yeah. funny yeah. person well it's a double-edged sword isn't it because there's that thing of you don't necessarily want to be introduced as the funniest person ever yeah no you know you, where people no. are like oh this pl- this person's amazing you're gonna have such a good yeah. time you're gonna laugh he makes me laugh all the time please welcome to the stage luke thompson yeah because yeah. it sets the experience of like if you if for some reason you have a bad night, then people are like, oh, yeah, God. Yeah, you're setting the expectations too but high. You need but at the to, same time, you, you, sh- you shouldn't set the expectations so low because that means people will then automatically interpret everything you're doing as being rubbish. They'll yeah. expect yeah. it to be rubbish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, the, and, and the things that you do will kind of confirm yeah, yeah. that it's rubbish. Well, I so remember- what, they, they just, just need a... a basic confident evaluation of like he's a friend of mine very funny man paul taylor you know and that's enough exactly you don't want to start messing around and that's it messing around even like that gig at the coupon you know they messed around with the format mate some people were eating they were getting entertained with music yeah don't mess with the format don't mix music and comedy people always think oh we'll do we'll have some music then we'll have some comedy no no music you can do it if it's you can do it if it's comedy first yeah then there's a break then there's music sure right. and they're not mixed you can't you can't have music comedy music comedy exactly. music comedy or- you can have all comedy for like half an hour where mm. people are sat down whatever and it's like great that's the comedy over now we'll have music that and can work not comedy outside yeah. and not comedy and anything like comedy and pole dancing comedy and music <laughs> no <laughs> just it needs to be just comedy in a darkened uncomfortable room yeah where, where the audience have got no choice but to watch and listen to yeah. the comedian where there's nothing else going on and it should be uncomfortable the chairs should be slightly rickety and slightly yeah we've, we've had this discussion yeah, we have since the so gymnase which is the first place where we always I yeah. guess where we all performed right it was too comfortable uh, the, in Paris. too comfy it was yeah the seat anyway right so <laughs> worst like worst one. gig ever have you have you got like a worst gig story that you can think of have you got any particularly bad experiences as a comic i mean there's plenty of gigs where there was no people mm-hmm. or like you you did a sort of slow death or that horrible moment where you're like did it it pause for laughter no one laughs you're like normally people laugh but i think the worst gig was the one i did that you came to which one for becoming mama oh yeah sold out show to um, Sold out. French so wait, 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 wait. Start the story. Start the story properly. One day, uh, one <laughs> a long time, day, ago. A long yeah. time ago. Sarah, so Sarah and I <laughs> have that upon show. A time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are you sitting comfortably? So Sarah and I have the show becoming mama. It's a yeah. small theatre, quite intimate, like seventy seater, really nice. You know, and we, we work quite hard to get tickets. Well, one day. Luke was coming and a few other people and then we sold out but it was one group a whole group and this teacher had come up from Leon with her class of kids from like and they were between like 13 and 15 oh no they barely spoke English they weren't the target audience obviously because it's about motherhood I mean there's so many not target things about that scenario 13 to 15 not from Paris yeah yeah Yeah, I mean like (laughs) didn't speak English not for them I mean they were having an awful time I mean the teacher was like shushing them to be fair they were quite well behaved but there were moments where I just thought oh my god this and it was savage yeah so I I went with uh, my wife and uh, and like we knew that it was a sold out show the the two of you had said it's sold out which is good because that means there'll be an audience but oh you knew before the show we knew well, it was a group well they knew it was a group so it's like sold out it's a group and i think they're students 
So that they, you know, Sarah and Amber said to said to us, so you might want to come the following week, you know, because we don't know what this show's going to be like. It's a bit of an unknown quantity. And but the two of us, we said, well, we'll go anyway. You know, we're going to go to that show. So we came down, and we were uh, we were standing outside the venue, and suddenly oh. uh, appears a huge group of thirteen to fifteen year old s- school kids, right? Yeah, with their backpacks and all that stuff. <laughs> The little packed lunches, yeah, and 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 like uh, a couple, two or three stressed out teachers oh. who were like trying to get them to come on, everybody, you know, uh, you know, uh, here we are, and then and and my wife, my, my wife and I were, were looking at them, going, shit, do you think, do you think that's, do you think that's the. Uh, Oh my God, that's it. That's the group, isn't it? They're, they're going to come and see this show. Oh my God, I hope they know what they're in for. Because uh, from people listening to this who haven't seen Amber and Sarah's show, it's a show about having children. And it's quite specific in some places. There are yeah. some fairly, it's very, very, very funny. There are some graphic descriptions of childbirth and mm. some of the uh, sort of issues that can occur during childbirth that perhaps we don't all know about unless we've got direct experience of it because some of those things can be pretty sort of well explicit graphic and frightening in fact indeed yeah, yeah. Uh, but 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 they deal with those scary subjects with humor in in the best possible way right with it with a student's mix so they're boys and girls boys and yeah. girls okay. and uh yeah so they all packed into the room and and uh, we were sitting on the front row and we could just hear you were this, sat on the front we were sitting row. on the front row we could hear all this uh oh this conversation of these children behind us <laughs> and i'd seen the show before so i was thinking i can't wait to see what's going to happen here this is going to be how is this going to go are they going to be able to actually survive the whole show uh of the one hour show and um they were talking a lot and the 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 teachers were kind of stressed out and trying to be strict and keep them all in line and the show began and at the beginning it was all right though well they were not talking over you Mm. they didn't laugh no. Because uh, they didn't understand anything. They didn't know what was going on. Oh, they yeah. couldn't understand. And then slowly the level of chat started to rise. And then the teachers would be like, shh. <laughs> and the chat would go down, silence again. Oh, there was a group God. of us on the front row who were, who were not part of that group. So there was a group of like friends Five, friends people, or yeah. expats on the front. We were all laughing and having a good time. But behind us was just like this kind of black hole, this weird sort of <laughs> swirling vortex of children not understanding what's going on. Of, uh, yeah. But they, they were fairly well behaved. They could have been worse. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, I wonder what they thought about some of the... Uh, the, uh, the the childbirth in reenaction scenes yeah no it was horrible that was a rough gig Oof. but well done you, you you I have to say that you both of you maintained your professional stage faces uh, all the way through I think there were a couple of moments where the two of you looked at us on the front row and we exchanged a couple of glances <laughs> but other than that you just did the show and you were very professional about it that's all you can do yeah. That's all you can do because the minute you sort of break out of it, you become a teacher or a, or a mum. Like, yeah. come along, children, be yeah. quiet. <laughs> yeah, no. that's, that's the disadvantage, I guess. <laughs> it was rough. Especially with your show because it was becoming <laughs> maman, and it's like you literally became it on stage. Yeah. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> all of you to your rooms now. Oh, sorry, we're in a comedy show. <laughs> yes, it was pretty rough. That, I think, was the roughest gig. Paul, rough gig? Um, yeah, I guess the second worst one was the rugby night. <laughs> <laughs> so you've done the football. The first one was football. So that's the football one. <laughs> So the rugby one was um, 
the the reason so they, the Canal Plus were like, yeah, cool, we've got this rugby night, which is the same thing, awards for rugby players, whatever. I wasn't giving out an award; they just wanted me to do five minutes. It was me yeah. and, and like two other comedians, and um, I was like, hey, I don't really know what I'm doing because it's the Olympia. Uh, sorry, it's the rugby. I don't really understand rugby, whatever. And the guy was like, yeah, but it's the Olympia, the uh, the the room, the Olympia, which right. is the the kind of the most famous theatre in Paris. Yes, uh, yeah. that a lot of comedians aspire to be. I was like, oh, is it? Oh, cool. Well, I guess I'll have to do it then, because you know you, you do five minutes at the Olympia. So yes. I know nothing about rugby. Again, I've written material. This time, I really don't remember what the the the, the joke was about, but. Uh, I did like five minutes on not really knowing rugby or whatever it was. I I I was really like planning it. I was writing it at home. I was like, yeah, this could be cool, great. And uh, we arrive at the theater, and that same night I was flying to Shanghai mm-hmm. uh, to do my show out there uh, for French expats. So the flight was at like eleven p.m. And I brought it. We were going for two weeks uh, yeah. out there with Addy, uh, my wife. And so we, uh, I had my massive bag with me. So I show up to the, she stayed at home. She was going to, um, mm. just join me at the airport afterwards. She couldn't be bothered coming. She didn't want to, she didn't want to arrive and see a bunch of Canal Plus people dressed in like, um, tracksuit, yeah, tr- uh, airplane, 12 hour flight clothes. clothes. Yeah. 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 So she was like, I'll just meet you at the airport. I'm like, great, fine. So I show up, uh, with uh like my stage outfit yeah you know just like in a black shirt or whatever because it was like an award everyone was like tuxedoed up so i was like no i don't have one so Mm -hmm. i'll just wear a black shirt so i wore black shirt black trousers whatever and in my suitcase was my uh was my tracksuit that was going to get changed into at the theater before going to the airport so anyway show up at the olympia it's very impressive the backstage area is huge there's champagne everywhere there's lots of famous people who i don't know because you know (laughs) i'm english but you can just tell famous people like oh you must be somebody anyway i'm introducing myself hi paul hi nice to meet you hi great meeting all these people stress is building because the show i'm like i look out the curtain it's mainly rugby players. There's the head of Canal Plus yeah. who sat in the front row as well. <laughs> Big TV executive. Yeah, who obviously, yeah. you know, at, at his second hand man or whatever. It's just great. So the, 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 the thing starts and it's pretty quiet. Like nothing. I can't remember who hosted or who was doing whatever. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, this is going to be rough, man. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I'm hyping myself up. I'm like, no, I'm just going to go out and deliver it. Uh, I'm going to be really, you know, energetic and really... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What's the word? Uh, uh, confident. Like the football one. The yeah. football one happened after this. So I didn't learn from my mistake at the yeah. rugby. So this is the first like properly. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to go out there. It's going to be amazing. I'm jumping up and down behind yeah. stage going yeah. through my stuff. This is hilarious. This is going to be fun. Pumping yourself up. Get pumped up. I go out and I think they showed like a, 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 like a, 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 a five second. What the fuck? I think it was just the, the, the opening credits for What the Fuck. They showed a clip of, from your show. Not a clip, just the opening thing of like, you know, the walking from London yeah, to Paris. Mon yeah. Yeah. What the Fuck France. And then I came out to that. Yes, okay. <laughs> because apparently it was a thing. Anyway, so I go out and I'm like, no, this is fine. I'll come out. And I can't remember what I said. I just remember being heckled by um, some like 15-year-old students. What sounded like uh, at the top of the theatre. It's like a 3,000 seat, seat, seat theatre. Yeah. So I'm getting heckled at some stage. Wait, what did what did the person say? Do I you can't remember. I can't. I've I've blocked it out of my memory. It was just like Aah! yeah. I think I started performing in my fake French accent. You know the yeah. bonjour, je m'appelle Paul, whatever, blah yeah. blah blah, yeah. Uh, which normally goes down well. Silence. First joke. Silence. And I'm like I'm starting to sweat. 
<laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is, what do I do? And I'm just looking at the, the, the audience because it's being filmed. The audience are like lit up, fully lit. I can see everyone, everyone's faces properly. And so wait, the audience are, are being filmed as well. Yeah. So they feel super uncomfortable. Oh. <laughs> Someone there. And I'm like, oh, this is, I'll try the next joke. Hey, here's the next joke. Pow. Nothing. I'm like, oh. So, <laughs> oh God. so I'm like, I'm just going to have to eat shit for five, ten minutes, yeah. whatever it was. So yeah. I'm, I'm carrying going, halfway through, I get a text on my phone. I forgot to put it on silent. My phone's going, vroom, vroom. in I'm your like, pocket. Oh, so that's, that's putting me off even more. I'm tripping over my words. It, <laughs> it's horrific. Just tell, just tell us what it's like when you do a joke. And normally, in, if the show's going all right, you get a response. It's like having a conversation with the room. You say a thing yeah. and you just get, back from the room which is like laughter you know stuff like that you just get responses yeah. what's it like when you do your material and just nothing happens what's it what physically and sort of you know what's what's the actual feeling of of that well what happens to me is that when when i get no response of something that i think is going to get a response and then i keep going and still nothing's happening like if it go if it happens once i just like oh okay cool and then i'll go on to the next thing if it happens like twice yeah then what happens is I start, I start sweating mm-hmm. uh, quite a lot. I get really hot, um, and I start to to lose confidence in what I'm saying. So the mm-hmm. the I, my delivery becomes even less good than it was. Yeah, uh, it, it just becomes. I, I I sometimes stumble over my words. I get just. I I, mm-hmm. I don't really know because mm-hmm. I have never seen myself. I've never watched myself back when. But I want to well. know. I want to know exactly what it feels like from inside you, so that my listeners who've never done this, yeah will know what it actually feels like. I think it probably feels... It feels like you stepped in, out into the void. Yes. You know, like you're, you've kind of got that moment before you're about to plunge to your death yeah. sort of feeling. There's something like sinking because it's exactly like these are the things that happen. You know, you start something, doesn't go well one time, fine, doesn't go again. And it's like the air's sucked out of the room. You yeah. see those arms crossed, those closed faces. You start speaking faster and you feel like you're sort of clinging to the side of the yeah. cliff like... Ah! Yeah, I've got to get back, but you're gonna just plummet. It probably any feels similar to to I would I would put it in the same sort of reactions internally as if you go to kiss a girl or a boy if you're a girl or whatever mm-hmm. if, to kiss mm-hmm. a person that you like mm-hmm. and they turn this they turn away and they're like no no sorry that you misunderstood yeah. what was going on yeah. here yeah. that it, when that happens rejection mm, that feeling. Yeah. It, yeah. it's the same feeling of me yeah. like when it's happened maybe two or three times where I've gone gone in for a kiss and, and it's it's been like whoa no 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 this yeah. wasn't that and I'm like oh and it just you don't know what to do you don't know how to you don't know how to react you don't know it's awkward because you can't just leave that situation you can't the girl is in front of you and you're and it, you yeah, there's no what, escape there's no there's escape, no from escape. From same yeah. thing when you're on stage and you can't just run off stage you yeah. just have you, to keep going you yeah, just have to right. you just have to make it try and make it less awkward it's, it's also a bit for me it feels like you're facing a black hole it's like you're in space and there's a black hole in front of you that sucks everything out mm-hmm. it sucks in sorry it sucks everything in it sucks in all the light and everything yeah and so you're doing your jokes and they're just <laughs> disappearing yeah. into a black hole <laughs> everything just goes gets sucked into this void in front of you yeah. like what you said and also that sense that the whole room, you get the feeling the whole room is just going, no, we don't like you. Yeah. Go away. Just no, you know, yeah, fuck yeah. you. Yeah. You especially. It's it, well, feel, it feels personal. Like yeah, that, yeah. Like really that awkwardness. Like that, and then you sort of feel 
ridiculous yeah. but not in a good way it's like who, and then you're like who was I to think that I could make these people yeah. laugh I should just go and hide myself yeah. I'm well, awful I've been told that I've that in those scenarios like my people like you can't see it on my face yeah Addie's I... often say, and the so the worst part about all of this was that Addy was at home watching this live on TV because it was live on TV <laughs> oh wow again and so she was watching it and when we met up at the airport she uh, <laughs> Huh. We just looked at each other with the with the because we didn't really speak since then. Yeah, like we just met at the airport and we looked at each other in the eye. And we were like, mm-hmm. <laughs> "Let's go to China. <laughs> Let's just go to Let's China. Let's just get out of here." Good. So I oh. think it's a good response to that. Was, so when you have a bad just, gig, just go oh, to China. It's going to just, China. It's but what I do take pleasure in is, I think I've talked about this before in the podcast. Is when friends of mine like you two having a shit gig with material that i know is good material mm-hmm. like when i when i know that you've like crushed it with mm-hmm. that material and then you go on it used to happen quite often at sorry we're yeah. english yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, i had I don't, know, I don't know why i don't know why it would happen but uh but yeah we had the, the the two-man show so i would go up first and do half an hour and paul would go up first and do half an hour and normally you're right i would pretty much crush it or i'd be do i'd do all right in most gigs and then there'd be the sorry we're English gigs there was like a series of about four or five of them where I would go up and I'd and, and after five minutes I just realised the audience are just like and like they're just like no we're closing the door and it's like wait a minute what the f-? you know just and they're just like nah and I'm just there going through my material and they're just like okay these are words these are all words and I'm just doing my stuff and then and then I'm like well okay thanks everyone now let me introduce you to Paul Taylor and Paul comes up and they're fucking falling no, over not always the- if you had a bad gig I usually ended up having a, a not no, great gig well, as well no but you no, on balance you would get laughs out of it them just, immediately you know, like if he's got his, his jokes that he's got his punchlines and he stops you know it's like yeah you know I've been living it, but my French isn't isn't ready yet normally that gets a good laugh and it would just be silence and I'd be in the back just going <laughs> yeah because like, it just makes me laugh that was the audience that, that was the the context in which uh, the Russian joke happened yeah similar context you know where they're like like maybe the first half an hour of the show it takes them half an hour to work out what the show is you know like I think sometimes they expected us to be on stage together yeah I think so and so me just talking to them on my own in the back of their head they're going well no, no the show hasn't started yet <laughs> You know, or something. I don't know, but like, uh, didn't happen every time. No. Sometimes we had shows where it was great, but yeah, often I would just uh, have these horrible experiences, and then Paul would go up and do well comparatively, and I'd be like, "Fuck's sake!" <laughs> um, but uh, bad gig for me. Talking about like um, setting up a room, mm. like the right conditions for a show. Um, I think I told you about this once before. So I, I was... Uh, this is the BBC this is, thing. This is when I was in London, yeah. I think you've told us on the podcast before as well. I, I don't know. I, I, I told... I, we recorded a, an episode for you once, but you didn't end up using it. So I think that's when... Maybe I have told you on the podcast, but what the hell? Let's do it again. Tell us again. Um, so this is when I was living in London. So I used to... Uh, with some friends of mine used to do a show uh, on Tuesdays in in Piccadilly Circus and uh, I used to host that show quite a lot and one Tuesday I hosted the show and it was great it just went really really well it was a really good show and I smashed it at the end with my like bit that I did at the end and there was a woman in the audience who hosted a show at the BBC and so she uh, she saw me and she had this show at the BBC 
and um, her normal host dropped out. So she's like, I need someone else. She contacted me and said, can you do this show at the BBC? And I was like... Were you doing your BBC material at this stage? Uh, yeah, I did do the BBC okay. material, yeah. And so... <laughs> Uh, I, so I got this gig at the BBC, paid and and all this kind of stuff, and it was uh, Paul Chowdhury. Do you know him? He's a yes. he's a uh, like a comedian, a professional comedian on TV. Absolutely brilliant. He was the headliner for the for the show, right? And I was there thinking, wow, I'm I'm going to host a show at the BBC. This is like in the fairly early days of being a comedian, yeah. And so I was really psyched up and I like came up with new material for it and like developed other material I'd already got. And I was speaking to my cousin and my brother and like, you know, what do you think about this? Shall I do this? And they were like, yeah, you should definitely do that bit. And um, so I turn up at the BBC. It's the BBC bar. Right, so it's not like at it's not like a, in a studio or anything. It's still just, the BBC. Yeah, still the BBC, but it's a BBC bar, <laughs> a canteen. Yeah, kind of like the canteen. And it was a like a Wednesday or Thursday evening, and I go into the bar, and the bar is like definitely not set up for comedy, and uh, it's not a comedy club. There's just a few. There's a bar, uh, a few little tables dotted around, some sofas, uh, people sitting around, and uh, lots of space between all of the the, mm. the people. So they're like a, a table here, loads of space. A table here, loads okay. of space. A couple of sofas over there, uh, and no stage, just a little area in the corner of the room. And uh, the woman's like, "Oh yeah, we've got no mic stand. No, we come in, and she's like, oh, our sound guy's not here.' So I'm there, tr- like stressed out, trying to set the gig up. Uh, connecting the microphone no mic stand the microphone comes off a mixing desk which is on a sort of there's like a pew in the corner of the room so listeners a pew is where a priest would lead a sermon in a church no. like a little no a pew oh, a pew is, is a, yeah sorry a pew is uh, one of the benches in the in the church but there's a uh, pulpit pulpit, pulpit. That's it. there you go i mean i am jewish so i don't know why i know these things if you listen to radio 4 that's why <laughs> uh, so there's a pulpit in the corner for some reason <laughs> And on the pulpit, there's a mixing desk and a microphone. Uh, so a pulpit, it's like a, listeners, it's like a little thing with a few stairs. It goes round to a space where a priest would deliver a sermon in a church. Okay. Uh, but for some reason, there's a pulpit in the corner of this bar. Don't know why. But anyway, so I had to, the mic was, was connected to a mixing desk on the pulpit. So it was, you had to get the microphone off the pulpit and stand in front of the pulpit to do the show. But the lead, the cable from the microphone was not long enough. So literally the microphone would come over your shoulder. You're standing there and it's, it's long enough for you to stand fairly far back, quite close to the, the pulpit with your back kind of close to it. And the microphone is like uh, just under your chin, but you can't move to the left. You can't move forward because the cable's not long enough. So you're restricted in standing in this one position. That alone would potentially ruin, ruin a, a whole yeah. gig oh totally yeah because the comedians can't can't move around second thing yeah. is second thing directly above uh this spot where the microphone is there is a speaker in the ceiling you know sometimes in offices yeah. or whatever you get these speakers built into the ceiling for like you know uh um announcements or whatever like that so there's a speaker in the ceiling directly above this spot and it's pumping out radio four <laughs> but it's bbc radio four is coming out of this speaker but no one if you're not standing directly underneath it you can't hear it <laughs> right so you've got this internal sort of monologue of bbc you've 4 got bbc radio, radio 4 you've got whatever it is that they're, they're they're talking about just sort of like you know the shipping forecaster above yes. you know, coming from above you oh my god uh, no one else in the place can hear it punters are in but they're in to drink and eat their dinner mm. and they don't know a, a show is starting so also no lights so it's just normal lighting in in oh, the bar terrible 
and uh, so it's horrible. And I'm emceeing the, the the thing, and so I I go up, and you know people are sort of sitting on their chairs and stuff. And we yes, actually, the, I mean just the first question. Mm. So she said that her normal host wasn't available. Yeah. So they do it every. They were Apparently, doing it every week in that yeah, place. Yeah. And I, I don't know what it was that what was different about it. Whether it was may have maybe been, that's why he wasn't there. Yeah. Because maybe he was, was like, "Fuck this! I'm out of yeah. this. I, this is horrible conditions." It could have been appalling every every uh, week, and uh, so I was just one of a long line of MC who were like you know well it's a gig at the BBC and it's paid uh, but horrible and um, so a few people were there uh, and including a, a girl who was doing her first show and her uncle was was there too to support her her uncle was oh god what's the guy's name uh, he used to play Holly in Red Dwarf right he, he, the hologram yeah. Oh. No, not the hologram, the, the computer. The Damn. computer. I thought the computer was a woman. Yeah, but in the first two series, it's a man. Oh. Um, it's funny we're talking about Red Dwarf on a side note, just because I was, I was, for some reason, in the shower, singing the theme suit, see, the, trying to remember the lyrics to the theme song. Cold outside, there's no type of atmosphere, all alone. Okay, this guy, I'm showing, oh, yeah. I'm showing Amber and Paul a picture of Right. Him. So, uh, Red Dwarf, listeners, is a, a really great... Uh, uh, comedy sitcom uh, that used to be on the BBC when we were growing up <laughs> no type okay so it's no type of atmosphere for some reason in my mind I knew it's it was kind of atmosphere no- oh no kind I, I was like it's cold outside no time for atmosphere and I said like, no time for atmosphere doesn't make sense is it no kind it was- no, 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 no kind <laughs> that's what it is Listeners, this oh. Amber and Paul are currently talking about the theme music to the show which uh, most people of our generation know yeah, yeah. anyway so uh, his name is Norman Lovett and he um <laughs> He wasn't loving it. He he, he was not loving it. But the thing about Norman Lovett is that, first of all, I was a massive Red Dwarf fan when I was was a kid and Mm. and I had like all the videos and Norman Lovett's one of the actors on the show. So immediately he was kind of a hero for me. Second thing is Norman Lovett was famous for being one of the original alternative stand-up comedians. Oh, did he start in stand-up? He performed at the comedy store and he was like a a stand-up comedian, one of the original great sort of English stand-ups and that's why he got the the part as Holly on the show so he's a you know real stand-up royalty yeah uh, and so I was there hosting and for so it was just nothing was working uh, and you know like we've experienced in the past where like <laughs> literally I, I stepped up to the microphone picked it up and it didn't uh, work and I'm like uh, hello everyone welcome to the show and like people are literally putting their knives and forks down and turning around looking over <laughs> Looking over their shoulders at me, and I'm like, uh, "It's great to be here." You know, Jane Garvey's talking above yeah, your head. Well, I've got Radio Four, and I'm going. Can anyone else hear Radio Four? I've got Radio Four going on. None of them can hear Radio Four, so I'm just a madman, just a rambling madman in the corner, and and I'm trying, and I'm also like trying to. Uh, speak in the upbeat way that a, a host would speak. Like, we've got some great acts for you this evening. And they were all just like raising their eyebrows, rolling their eyes oh. at me. And uh, the, the, the people who were, who knew it was a show were sort of stand, sitting on the right. And Norman Lovett was one of these people. And uh, from time to time, I would glance at him and he was just looking at me like, oh, I hate you. He oh, hated no. He hated what I was doing. I felt so crushed because... But then his 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 niece 
did a set? It's nice, did a set. How did the ev- people who set? Uh, everybody died on their ass. Every okay. almost That's everyone that went up also died on their ass. But I, uh, but I got the impression <laughs> I love that expression to die on your ass rather than on your stomach. <laughs> yeah, you, it's you die on your ass. You, yeah, <laughs> like, the worst place you could die. Which worst part of your body where yeah. you could die upon is your ass. That's it's the best because uh, like okay. if I died right now. On this sitting on this chair, I'd be di- I'd die on my on ass. ass. Yeah, I yeah. Don't most know. people probably die on their back or on their stomach. I don't know. Anyway, it just I don't know. it's an interesting phrase. But anyway, <laughs> so I I uh, it was it was horrible. But I got the impression that everyone thought it was my fault or something. <laughs> that like my terrible emceeing set the tone for the whole show. Yeah, uh, and the reason I felt like that is because uh, after the show. Um, like uh, th- everyone's like talking to each other, the other comics and Lorman Lovett went over and made a point of saying hello to the other comedians and probably said encouraging things. And it's just, no one talked to me at all. It's like I was, I was like a uh, kryptonite or something. Oh. And it, I just, uh, it was horrible. I just but felt crushed. Because, because I think a lot of them realized that it was a shit set up. Yeah. So I think, and, and they, they thought and they that it was, it was your fault. They thought I was responsible for the and whole that you thing. You regularly do this. This is yeah. how you MC. They don't yeah. realize that but you were just that came down a to random. The, people yeah. that came down to the bar would they, would it not be like a regular night where people would come down and see it? Yeah, every- but you know, the BBC, bit very big place. They're kind of going, hey, let's go for a drink in the bar, and they all go down to the bar. And it's like, oh, there's a comedy show, uh, you know. So that, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Oh, BBC. Like, oh. and, this, but, but this but, is back to our original thing: badly organized gigs. But, yeah. but uh, Paul Chowdhury didn't die on his ass i was amazed mm. i was really impressed by the time he got up got up on stage and i i i'd looked him up online beforehand and i saw that he'd been in a film so i was like oh you know great uh, comedian he's been in a film and everything and then i i came off stage before one of the you know while one of the other acts was on and the woman was like Can, paul said don't mention the film <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh god oh and then, fucking hell and then and then <laughs> I did actually talk. He didn't to, mention it to you, though. Did no, he? because uh, for some reason. But I did talk to Paul Chowdhury, and actually, of all the all the people that I met that evening, he was the most friendly person, and I actually was quite impressed by him because he was very funny. He was like everyone else. It was fucked up with everyone else. It was like awkward yeah. and difficult, and ev- no one knew what they were doing. He was the only person who I felt like knew. Yeah. exactly what was going on he'd seen it countless times before yeah. he was cracking jokes to the to the woman who was organizing it saying in saying stuff like he doesn't want to do that he wants a career and all you know about me and then he went up and he absolutely smashed it he slayed the room and he what he did was he pointed out every single thing that was wrong with the with the situation <laughs> yeah that everyone was thinking uh, no and that saying. was true but no one was saying he pointed absolutely every wow. single thing out he made fun of people in the audience and uh he made fun of the microphone and all of it it was brilliant it's funny. He was hilarious so i had a very similar experience with him and yeah. this was my first experience ever of stand-up when i was at university in my last i've told this story many times when people are like oh how did you start doing stand-up it was uh, when i was at university in my last year there was a comedy night at our at the at the bar of the 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 university yeah sounds like a similar setup shit right um there were like i can't even remember who they were he was the headliner of the show um the first like three people that went on it was horrific Mm -hmm. it was terrible and i'm sitting there the whole time going how are these people getting paid to do this it's not funny he came on destroyed did exactly the same thing started talking about all of the stuff and and when i saw him after that set and i thought that's what I want to do. Like, I think I can do that. I think I can. And then I remember my first open mics in London. <laughs> it was horrific. 
I would get on stage and I'd be like, all right, cool. So this lampshade here is quite awful, isn't it? Nothing. No, okay. Uh, <laughs> and so I tried to imitate what I saw him doing. And it never, it you know, obviously when you do that, because you, you, it, it, I was the only one, it, was, it wasn't an awkward situation. So I think it's when it's an awkward situation. Anyway, so he, it's funny. He, but it's also it, confidence to call things out. But you also know. because he, he makes it look easy. And that's the thing about stand up is that it's like magic. It's not like, you know, people compare it to like music or something mm. in terms of entertainment. It's more like magic because if you can see how they did it, then it doesn't work. Like mm. if, if, if you can see how the comedian has made you laugh, somehow it makes it less impressive. It's best when it looks like the comic is just making casual observations, but it's making everyone in the room laugh because yeah. there is there is technique, there is um, craft in there, but the, the really good people make it look like nothing's really it's happening. It's a really good analogy because if you ever go to see a show and there's somebody that's, that's improvising or riffing with the audience... Yeah. And you're all dying laughter. You're like, wow, this is amazing. That's so fun. You go back and see them a second time and you see that in reality, all those jokes are already made and they're just riffing with different people, but the Mm. same topics come out. You go, oh, it's like seeing the magic trick on from the opposite side. It's like once you find out how they pick the card and choose it, you go, yeah, all right, it's not that impressive anymore. It's like, you know, most the average uh, audience member as far as they're concerned this is just someone talking it's just someone comes up and they start to just introduce themselves to you and for some reason you're knocked out by how hilarious they are Mm. but what you don't see is the months months of work and the bad gigs and the bad experiences and the mm. sleepless nights and the rewriting and the re- and yeah the 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 those bad times where where the comic probably at some point has gone i can't do this anymore what am i going to do with my life yeah. i've invested so much time in being a comedian i can't back out now the desperation but then what when it's a good show and you see a comic kill the audience as it were um then um that's when the magic actually happens yeah mm. Um. Okay. All right. Well, I get. I think. Uh, so that. So that was a good. Uh, that was a good introduction. <laughs> that, was a good, that was a good introduction to the actual real content. Which is. <laughs> well, I, I, we've been talking for for about an hour and three minutes. This this will have, will become the good and bad gig experiences episode. episode. Yeah. Um. Uh. But oh. on balance, after all of those horrible experiences it's nice to be able to go up in front of over a thousand people and make them laugh and even just applaud statements that you make yes you know that's nice isn't it and and i'm looking forward to seeing your show when it does finally come out on canopolis and on youtube yeah and then people can actually see that uh you know it's really good and really funny (laughs) thanks for telling us some stories of uh, some good and bad comedy experiences and thanks for coming back on the podcast Hopefully, oh. speak to the two of you again soon. Since yeah. you've got a bit more time on your hands now, yes, sir. it might be more of a uh, possibility. Yes. Okay, say goodbye to my audience, would you please? Goodbye. 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 Hold on, hold on. Don't go anywhere. We haven't finished yet. I need to kind of uh, do the ending part of this episode, don't I? Yes, you do, Luke. Good. That's that's all of you agreeing with me and applauding as well. Hopefully, uh, for everything I say. Uh, that would be nice. Um, imagine that if you, everything you did, there was just a huge audience of people applauding you all the time. It would, uh, it would boost your confidence, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. Okay, good. Fine. You agree. You're just not applauding me anymore. You're just like, no, we can't applaud. 
Our hands, we're using our hands to do other things. What are you doing with your hands? Never mind. Okay, I won't ask. Let's not <laughs> let's not go down that particular avenue any further than uh, we already have done. So there you go. That was Amber and Paul and me recorded in my flat just the other day. I hope you enjoyed listening to some of our stories of doing comedy there. Just a couple of comments at the end here from me to you. You'll notice that there wasn't much from Amber in this episode. Did you notice? I did. While listening back, I was like, oh, Amber didn't said very much. Didn't said? What? What happened to your grammar? I've no idea. I'm tired. There's no excuse. Sorry. Uh, anyway, uh, Amber didn't say very much, you may have noticed. Paul and I did most of the talking, I think. Perhaps we didn't really let her get a word in. Maybe we just talked too much and she didn't get a chance to say things. Maybe. Although I think she was happy. But still, sorry to the Amber fans who missed out on some of her input. And yes, of course, um, her lovely, lovely voice. I'll make sure that we get more Amber input next time they're on the podcast, which should be fairly soon because Paul is now less busy than he was before and is more available for podcasting duties. Not that it's a duty, but the point is, hopefully there'll be more Amber and Paul coming up on the podcast in the not too distant future. And uh, when that happens, I'll make sure we get more from Amber so we can hear her lovely, lovely, lovely voice. Um, Bonus audio in the Luke's English podcast app. You'll find nearly 20 minutes of bonus audio from this episode in the Luke's English podcast app. If you're listening in the app, just tap the gift icon to access that bonus audio. What's the bonus audio, Luke? Well, basically, you'll hear more of our conversation, which didn't, uh, which wasn't included uh, in this episode. Uh, there were some things I didn't include. I, we, uh, some things I did record with the three of us, the, with them and me. That's three, isn't it? One, two, three. Yeah, three. So there was some stuff that I did record, but uh, I didn't include in the final episode because I didn't want it to be too long. But uh, that bonus audio is available in the app. Uh, and in that bonus audio, we talk about more comedy-related topics, including what it's like to receive negative comments on YouTube, and also how Paul has been accused of stealing a joke from Louis C.K., which is not true, by the way. He didn't. Uh, so a bit of stuff about joke theft involving Paul and the infamous Louis C.K., who keeps being mentioned on this podcast. Uh so joke theft. Joke theft is actually a very serious business among comedians. It's one of the big no-nos in stand-up. And if you're found guilty of joke theft, it can be very bad for your reputation and your career. The thing is, it can be quite hard to work out if someone has actually stolen someone else's joke or whether the two people just came up with the same bit independently, which is possible, of course, depending on the joke. But Paul has been falsely accused of taking material from Louis C.K., but he didn't. They both just happened to have come up with the same joke at around the same time. Now, basically, this is a joke about how French people measure body temperature. How do you measure body temperature? That's not the beginning of a joke. It sounds like the beginning of a joke. How do French people measure their body temperature? It's not that kind of joke. Anyway, that's the subject of the joke. Um, What about you? How do you measure body temperature in your country for example if you feel like you're sick if you're ill and you need to take your temperature 
how do you do it where do you put the temp the where do you put the thermometer well in france they measure body temperature by sticking the thermometer up the bum Woo! straight up the bum there apparently you get a more accurate reading that way but anyway um it seems in most other countries um people just put it in the mouth or maybe under the arm but the french up the bum now this is an observation that paul has been talking about on stage for several years and he's produced a whole bit about it and louis ck recently started talking about it too in his stand-up because these days he is with a french woman um, and he has spent some time in france recently so he's probably noticed this i don't know if he's actually noticed with his eyes like French people sticking thermometers up their bums, like just, you know, out and about in France. Like, here we are in France in a nice cafe. Ooh, nice cup of coffee. Oh, my God. Look at that person sticking. A, what's he do? Oh, my goodness. Just French people sticking thermometers up their bums. Like, oh, I'll tell you one thing I've noticed is, oh, you know, I don't think he noticed it like that. I think it's more that, I don't know, it came up in conversation or whatever. Anyway, it's just something that uh, Louis C.K. probably has noticed since uh, spending time in France. And uh, some of Louis's stand-up shows have been leaked on YouTube, including that bit about thermometers that he's been doing as well. Also, Paul recently published a clip from his stand-up show, which included his thermometer joke. So some people have seen the videos and then mistakenly thought that Paul stole the joke from Louis. The fact is they both just came up with exactly the same observation independently of each other which does happen sometimes. Paul's been doing that material for several years at least, and he has recordings to prove it. But anyway, if you want to hear about the whole thermometer bum Louis C.K. joke theft accusation scandal, um, then check out the bonus audio because we talk about that a bit and a few other things too. That's only in the Luke's English podcast app, which you can get from the App Store completely free. Just whichever version of the app store it is, if it's Android or Apple or whatever, just go in there, search for Luke's English Podcast app. In the app, you can also get the full episode archive, plus loads of app-only episodes and content, plus, of course, the option to subscribe to Luke's English Podcast premium content. And you can register for LEP premium to get episodes in which I teach you vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation with uh, PDF worksheets. And they're all, all of all of the premium content is available in the app or online. Okay, teacherluke.co.uk slash premium to get that stuff. Also, join the mailing list on my website to get a link for the episode pages of new episodes when they are published. The link will be sent to your email address. Thank you again to Amber and Paul for being on the podcast. Thank you to you for listening. I hope you enjoyed our stories of embarrassment and humiliation in this episode as ever leave your comments on the website check the page for this episode where you will see some transcriptions and some videos including footage of paul dying on his ass at the french football awards and the and the vlog that he made about it so if you want to kind of like go with paul to the french football awards if you want to see him looking very smart in his suit and his bow tie and if you want to see his immediate reactions, then you can watch his vlog video. Um, generally, keep in touch. Send me an email with your thoughts. I've got more episodes about comedy coming up, specifically ones in which we listen to some clips and then understand them in detail. So you can look forward to that. Uh, but for now, have a wonderful day, morning, night, evening, 
whatever it is. And please remember to be excellent to each other. Speak to you again soon, but for now, goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.